Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back to the show. Joining us now is Patty Davis, the daughter of Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan, who has had an illustrious career of her own as a writer. Uh, earlier on, I think she tried her hand at acting, but she's mostly known as a writer. She also was known as being a member of the Reagan family who was not always in sync politically with the positions of her dad as he was president and in the aftermath in the years since. But she and her family are very, very part and parcel of American history. And her latest book, I highly recommend to you. It's called Dear Mom and Dad, A Letter About Family Memory in the America We Once Knew. It's a fast read. It's an involving read. It's a beautiful read. Patty Davis, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank it's you a, for having me. It's a pleasure. I um, I want to tell you something. Sure. I briefly met your parents, and I want to tell you how I met them and what an impression they made on me, because I think you'll get a kick out of this. Your book is full of wonderful anecdotes. So okay. I worked at TWA, and I oh. worked in the Eero Saarinen building, and I was a customer service agent. And it was the summer of 1978, and I remember this very distinctly. And your father came up to my counter because he was he, he and your mother were going on a flight. They didn't have any uh. secret service. They, this was after this was after he had tried to get the uh, Republican nomination, and he had not gotten it. So he was in his in between, yeah. right? He was in between. It was the in between years. I yes. remember them well. Right, and you wrote about them. And he, yeah, I did. <laughs> you did. And he and he came up to my desk, and I'll never forget this because because I knew who he was, his face, his face was so tan and leathery. I had never seen a face like this. It looked like the saddles that he was on all the time. And, and I remember that. And then your mother, who was not with him at the counter, like she was a few steps away from him, and then he got the tickets and he walked away. And then your mother turned to me and she gave me the most beaming smile. I have to tell you, I thought I was struck in a pool of sunlight. She was so beautiful in person. She was so yeah. beautiful. And she had this gorgeous smile. And the two of them, and again, they were surrounded by nobody at that point. There was no entourage. Yeah. Um, and I remember that moment clear, crystal clear in time, meeting your parents. Crystal clear. Oh. I do. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they, and they were very friendly, by the way. They were very, they were warm. Yeah. And they were warm and they were friendly. So anyway, Patty Davis, so I, your book was, I read the whole book. I just want you to know. I read the whole book cover to cover. <laughs> Thank you. I did. I read the whole book. And um, I wanted to know from you, since you are a writer for many years, mm-hmm. what did you say in this book that you have never told anyone before, even though you have written a prior autobiography? Well, I mean, that prior autobiography from many, many years ago, don't anybody go out and buy that. <laughs> Let's not even say the title. The book we shall not mention. Mm. I mean, I wish that I hadn't written that. And, um, you know, this was a completely, this was a different thing because because if you, for anybody who is going through a journey with their family, who's had a challenging, difficult family relationship, it really is a journey, and it's sort of about peeling away layers, you know, and to get to any kind of peace of mind and any kind of acceptance, you have to get down to that that bottom layer of things. And that bottom layer means looking at your family, looking at everything through different eyes, through a wider lens. You know, um, I, I think when I wrote the the book we shall not mention. Mm. Um, I, I was I was in that mindset, and I've heard other people say this as well. Of like, I have to tell my truth. Well, but you know, the the fact is, your truth is not the whole truth. Other people have their truths too, and they're part of the story also. And I think when you, as I said, peel away those layers, you, you get you get to a point where you are, you are capable of looking through a wider lens, looking at considering everybody else's truth. Um, you, you know, you it's not that bad things didn't happen. It's not that you're um, in denial about things or a phrase that I love that Marianne Williamson uses, pouring pink paint over mm. the past. You're not doing that, but you are, you're looking at things differently. So I, I was able at this point in my life after working on this um, to look at what, what each of my parents brought to the task of parenting, yeah. to look at the fact of my father being the child of an alcoholic, which, by the way, I think if you want to understand Ronald Reagan, you have to understand that everything about him bounces off the fact that he was the child of an alcoholic. That's kind of what I've come to. Be, and why do you say that, Patty? Why? Because it's a it's um, such a fundamental part of his of of the foundation of his life. You know, you learn as a child. I don't know if you've ever read anything about children of alcoholics. I have because trying to understand my father. Um, you know, there there are certain things that happen in that. Um, in that reality, um, my father had a, an incredible ability to sort of compartmentalize things, to look at what he wanted to look at and not look at what he didn't want to look at. And that's how a child of an alcoholic survives. You know? Yeah. And the other thing about your dad, which I didn't know that he saved 77 people. I mean, that's that's remarkable. Most lifeguards. Well, I'm surprised he didn't tell you that at the TWA <laughs> counter because he was so proud of it. <laughs> I mean, but, but, it, it re- it, but you know, Patty, that's a lot of people to save for a that's lifeguard. That's a lot of people. Though he was very, very proud of it. He's uh, a lot of surprised he didn't go, hi, can I have my plane ticket? Do you know that I saved so many uh, people? Wow. But he did. He was. He definitely saw himself as a hero. 
He, did. he saw himself. I don't know if he would have ever said hero. He saw himself as the lifeguard. Hmm. He really did. The story I told in this book when I was a little girl, you know, there were six years there when um, there was just the three of us yeah. before my brother was born. So the story I told about our first house and Chris after Christmas when he put the Christmas wreath right. in the fireplace, <laughs> lit the house on fire. And he's up on the ladder on the roof, mm-hmm. like hosing down the roof. I mean, looking at it now, I'm going, well, yeah, he was the lifeguard. Yeah. You know, he was saving the house. He was saving. And he didn't, you said you're not even sure he called the fire department. My mouth fell I open. don't remember. I think, because my memory of that night is really clear. Mm. I would remember if the fire department came. And I I don't think they did. It's incredible. I, I'll tell you what I love the most, Patty Davis. I loved... I love the stories that come from what does NPR say childhood is the longest shortest time. I love yeah. I love that you remember with such resonance how he taught you to ride the waves and ride a mm-hmm. horse and mm-hmm. ride a horse. It was beautiful, really. Yeah, you know, the thing about childhood and I'm I'm not alone in this, I'm sure, is that you know, some memories are just crystal clear. I mean, you're just back there, you know, it's like it, you, you see every detail others, you know, maybe you're a little fuzzy and, and then some others, if somebody presents it to you, you're going, I don't remember that one at all. Um, but you know, some are just really, really clear and, you know, climbing, climbing up the hill and back of our house to fly kites with my father. I, I can picture that so clearly every detail of it. What I wasn't so clear on in the book, we're chatting with Patty Davis, is when the emotional distance between you and your father crept into your mm-hmm. life. Like, how did that happen? Well, you know what? I'm not entirely clear about it either. And part of this story, and I think part of anybody's story who's trying to make sense of their family, has to be that there are some, you have to accept that there are some things you're not going to be able to explain. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to understand. I mean, if I, to hazard a guess here, I think that as tensions between me and my mother rose, my father was always going to side with her. Mm-hmm. You know, in that sense, I sort of didn't have a chance, right? Yeah. He, he was always going, he was never going to sort of, you know, mediate or, I mean, he did try to mediate sometimes. I shouldn't say that, but, but his allegiance with, you know, my parents were, I've described this as two halves of a circle and everybody else orbited outside of it. So, so if, if you had tension with her, then you had distance from him. You didn't necessarily have tension, but I didn't necessarily have tension between me and my father, but it it increased the distance. We're talking with Patty Davis. I thought it was that I thought it was quite a bit heartbreaking the way you spoke about your mother's mother and how she groped you and pinched your breasts outside the eyes of anybody and how you were convinced that your mother would never have believed you. Was there any time in your relationship, even after your dad passed, where you might have been able to have that conversation with her where she might have been able to? Never. 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 I never would. I have never told anybody about that. Not... You know, not my husband when I was married, not boyfriends, not therapists. I've never talked about that until now. And um, and the reason I want to be clear, the reason that I wrote about it now was to point out that this was the reason I didn't go to my grandmother's funeral. And 
looking at it now, again, through a wider lens, if I were then the person that I am now, I would have gone and I should have gone. And that was the point that I, that was the point of telling that story, because I think that that's how you move past, past wounds like that. You know, you show up, you be the bigger person. Yeah. You know, it was interesting because I was I was reading the reason why you thought you should attend the funeral. And mm-hmm. I thought I was going to read a different reason, Patty. I thought, really? Yeah. I thought you were going to say, because I just should have shown up because it would have made my mother happy. Oh, <laughs> you see? well, it would have. Right? Yeah. I thought out yeah. of respect to your mother that maybe well, that's how you reconsider. But actually, your your answer was a really interesting answer, that it would have helped your growth, that it would have helped yes. been for you. Yeah. Yes. And attendant to that also, it, it definitely would have. I mean, she never forgave me for that, even mm. though I, I apologized, you know, probably a couple of times. I never told her the reason. You know, I, I totally lied at the time. I said I was going to be out of the country yeah. on business. <laughs> <laughs> I had something to do in Japan, oh. or you know, oh, <laughs> doing Patty. a commercial in Japan or something. You know, I completely lied. Yeah. But um, but I think it is an important point to to, you know, if you you show up, it's like you are sort of breaking the chains of that of that event, whatever it was, um, you know, of that pattern and that and that wound sort of, you know, you're breaking the chains of it. It still happened. You know, it still had the effect that it had on you. But you are you are moving past it because you're showing up. I was thinking a lot about your grandmother. Her first name was Edith, right? I was I was thinking a lot about her. First of all, you know, it's very interesting that in your mother's telling of her life story, she specifically chooses not to blame her mother too much for abandoning her for six years. But honestly, I mean, really, Patty, I mean, come on. And not only not abandoning her because she had to, let's say, migrate, like the great migration of the black women in the (laughs) South who had to write, have make a living and then send the money down to support. She (laughs) abandoned your mother in order to pursue an acting career, for goodness sakes. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Well, the story part of the story. (laughs) That I've I've heard that I this part, I do think it's true that for a while she took my mother on the road with her. And I even remember a detail of like my mother was like, you know, they made dresser drawers into like little, you know, baby beds and some, you know, cradles and stuff with blankets and everything. But, you know, as I as I said in this book. Being a traveling stage actress in those years was hardly glamorous. Right. I mean, it was a, it was a hard way to make a living, and um, but yeah, I mean, t- you know, three years old to to um, dump her with relatives who I think she had never met before. I didn't write that because I'm not. I have this vague memory that someone told me that maybe my mother that she'd never met them before, but I I it's not really solid memory, so I didn't write that, but. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, <clears throat> whether she met them before or not, she didn't know them that well. You know, she was three years old. How could she remember them or know them that well? Um, and she's left with these people for six years. Yeah. And, and you know, so I look now at the way my mother rewrote that history, which means she never dealt with the pain of that. She never dealt with... Um, you know, the sort of devastation of that or a child watching her mother leave and she would pop in and visit sometimes, but then she'd leave again, you know, and didn't come back until she was together until she was nine years old and came back and said, well, I met this doctor on a cruise, which I don't know how she got on a cruise as a traveling stage actress. <laughs> Somehow she was on a cruise. And by the way, my my grandfather, Loyal Davis, was married at the time that she met him. So I have no idea how all that hmm. evolved. Interesting. But she, hmm. Yeah, he was married when she, when wow. she first met him. So she came back and said, well, I met this doctor. We're going to get married, and now you're coming with me, and we're going to live in Chicago. I mean, that's a, this is a lot of you bet. upheaval yeah. for, you know, for a young child. I mean, nine years old is a really – you're just on the edge of, you know, of puberty, and you're – you know, it's a really vulnerable it age. Is. And I didn't – you know, again, getting back to the looking through a wider lens thing – I didn't think about that before. I didn't think about really, really dwell on things like that in years past because I was sort of too caught up in my own, Mm -hmm. you know, my own situation, what happened to me. And that's what I mean about, you know, you work on this stuff and you peel away the layers and you go, okay, let me look at what other people's stories were. Yeah. Right. Let me look at the other elements of this family, of this situation. And uh, we're chatting with Patty Davis. And, of course, Nancy Davis, she went on to try and become the actress that her mother didn't have success in. But your mom wasn't bad. I mean, she made some movies. She had a name for herself. She did okay. She was very beautiful and charming. You do intimate that she was so intelligent that there's no way she could have accidentally gotten pregnant with the other shoe to drop, which is that in classic 1950s form, you sort of drop a pretty big hint, Patty Davis, that your mom trapped your father into marrying her. Well, I think it is, from what my mother has told me about her wanting my father to marry her, I remember her saying to me once that while they were dating, that my father said to her, oh, you shouldn't be renting your house. You should you should buy a house. And she was so crestfallen because she didn't want to buy her own house. She wanted to buy a house with him. You know, she wanted to marry him. So she did tell me, you know, a couple of things like that. And I just knowing how um, set she was in, in getting what she wanted, you know, <laughs> I... Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously you can get pregnant accidentally. I just, or carelessly or whatever. I, 
I just tend to doubt it, mm. you know. And I think I, I think I wrote about this, but when I, the, I'm sorry that when I, the one question, one um, conversation rather that I had with her about, you know, my her, her getting pregnant with me in the '50s. By the way, Ingrid Bergman was kicked out of the yes, country. I remember that. Yes, for being pregnant uh, out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Roberto Rossellini. I know. Yes, I know. And, and of course, she was still married, but still. Right. I mean, it was for a woman to to be pregnant out of wedlock in those years was like, oh, my. I mean, talk about scarlet A on you. I mean, that this was just a horrible. Patty Davis, do you remember Loretta Young, her story? Do you remember that she no. gave? Oh, OK, Loretta Young got pregnant by Clark Gable. And she was a oh, devout. Oh, listen to this. She was a devout Catholic. So what she did was, instead of admit to the world that she had this out of wedlock baby, she went through the ruse of adopting her own baby and telling her own baby through her entire baby's growing <gasps> up life that she was not her mother. No, this is a true story. And it was only because the child grew up to so resemble Clark Gable, complete with the ears, <laughs> that the child was told, because she grew up in Hollywood, that yeah. she was really Clark Gable's, but she could not speak to her mother about it. Her mother refused to acknowledge that her own child was her birth child because of the shame of giving birth to her under those circumstances. Could you imagine? Yeah. I never knew that yeah. story. Yeah, it's crazy. So when I, that one conversation that I had with my mother about, you know, what, I can't remember exactly what my question was, something about, well, you know, what if dad hadn't said, let's get married? There was no DNA testing then. Mm. He could have said, it's not mine, you know? Ouch. There would be no way yeah. to prove that. Yeah. And what if dad had not said, well, let's get them, you know, will you marry me? And she said, without missing a beat, she said, I knew he wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's my mother was, <clears throat> I think, I mean, I, I wrote in here, if she had other careers, she could have been a CIA operative and or she could have, <laughs> you know, run a small country Patty like Ava Davis. Cone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. She had just had this instinct for, for for people and you know what they would do and how to like sort of get in there and um and it's not that they do i mean listen they were deeply in love but um you know the how the marriage happened is what didn't just come out of oh my god i love i love you so much let's get married it came out of honey i'm pregnant mm-hmm. but yet they did have a deep enduring love they did absolutely they, they did. did there's they really no did. question about that absolutely we're chatting with patty davis patty i was surprised and i'd love you to tell our audience a little bit about how your father explained homosexual relationships to you as a kid because i think that is so at odds with our assumptions which were wrong about how he really thought about gay relationships. It's really was something. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I grew just to, I'll get to that story. But first of all, I mean, I grew up around gay people. We had a, um, <clears throat> a female gay couple, Aunt Gleska and Aunt Emily, <clears throat> who were around all the time, who babysat me and, and my brother, Ron, when my parents, short, Ron was still a baby, um, when they went on a trip to Hawaii and um, Aunt Gleskin and Emily stayed with us, they slept in my parents' bed. I, I accepted them as a married couple. I mean, no one said to me they're a married couple. Mm-hmm. Obviously they weren't married, but, but that was my, I just accepted it. You know, it was, 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't a big deal to me. So <clears throat> one evening, we were in the den. We were watching television, and we were wa- my father and me, and we were watching a Rock Hudson Doris Day movie. I don't remember which one. I think they did a couple. Um, and Rock Hudson, they kissed each other. And I looked at my father. I said, "That's weird." And he got so curious, and he said, what do you mean that's weird? And I said, I don't know. It just looks weird. Mm. And he, um, you know, leaned forward with his, okay, I'm going to teach you something now. <laughs> Look. Um, and he said, well, he said, Rock Hudson doesn't really want to be kissing her. He'd rather be kissing a man. Um, he said, you know, some men like other men and some women like other women. And that so he's he's acting this part, but he doesn't really want to be kissing her. And I went, oh, okay. Mm. You know, I just accepted it. And then I remember, and some other one other time, there was a Van Johnson movie on, and I looked at Van Johnson and I, I said to my father, he wants to be with another man, huh? And my father said, yes, actually, he does. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, your father was Hollywood. I mean, for goodness sakes, he was the head of the Screen Actors Guild. If he didn't understand yeah. that world, I mean, please. So, yeah. um, but yet you do say in the book that you, you still, you hold him responsible and you hold his administration responsible for not facing the AIDS crisis the way they should have. Yeah, I mean, I tried in this book. Listen, I have been wanting to write about the AIDS thing for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was just never an opportunity to do it as an op-ed because there just was not, it didn't make sense at any point in time. But I've been wanting to um, write about it or, or talk about it for a long time only because there are other aspects of this that that I think need to be talked about, which was the other people in his administration and my father's tendency to just delegate things and not follow up. So the other people in his administration who were very homophobic and did not want him addressing AIDS kind of ran with that until Rock Hudson died. They couldn't keep that from him. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to bring in those other elements that that to say my father had nothing against gay people and he you know this his character flaw was that he again like we were talking about as a child of an alcoholic he just didn't want to look at this mm-hmm. and so a lot of things happened under his watch that that shouldn't have happened that said um i can't make excuses for for um how it was handled i mean it was handled horribly and as i as i wrote in here for a man whose timing was always really good his timing was off across the board in the aids situation even after he addressed it uh, after rock hudson died after he allotted more money after he stood up and talked about it um his um seeking out ryan white he was a little late in that one Mm -hmm. And and I, you know, I don't know how you could be late in that. I mean, the boy was dying. It's not like you had a lot of time. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, I, I can't explain it, mm-hmm. but I can't I can't excuse I can't excuse it either. But I did want to bring in other elements so that people would have a more complete understanding. Well, that's of, why the book is wonderful. Yeah. It's called Dear Mom and Dad, A Letter About Family Memory in the America We Once Knew. And of course, we're just skipping over and around it, but it's really worth reading. We're chatting with Patty Davis. Patty, I did want to ask you a little bit about one of the one of the startling things to me was really 
the extent to which you were so separated, estranged from your full biological brother, Ron, and also your uh, your half-siblings, and then you found yeah. out about uh, um, a child who only lived a few days named Christine. <laughs> yeah. Well, but... But let's but let's just go to Ron for a little bit. Like why why and we only have a couple of minutes left. Why are you and Ron so estranged? Why? Well, I mean, I think we have a civil relationship. I don't want to go, you know, too much into detail with that just because I'm not really comfortable doing that. But, you know, we first of all, we were six years apart, so it's not like we were hanging out as kids. But. <clears throat> We just had it. We had a very fractured family, and I think, I think the important thing in that, and for anybody else who has that situation, is that that is the foundation that, or lack of, that your relationship was was built on. So, so to try to forge a relationship when it's it's kind of like building a house on sand. You know, there's no foundation there. Yeah, and um, you just don't know each other that well. And that was to me, and we have to say goodbye, but to me, the sad part of the book was that you were always feeling like your house was not your home. That yeah. when you went into there, it, it just wasn't like your home. And I, that was very sad for me, Patty Davis. Yeah, but read. you know what? It sad, was sad for my parents, too. And mm. that's, I think, the, the, the um, vantage point that I can have now is that it was it was sad for them because mm. they didn't have the family sort of chaos and craziness and all of that that other families have, you know? Yeah, I do know. And I want to thank you for writing the book. It's really a lovely memoir. You're an excellent writer. It moves so quickly. And, and clearly you always have to do so much editing along the way. And you edited it down in a beautiful way so that from the reader's point of view, we really get a sense of, of a, of a lot about your life and a lot about your parents that we didn't know. So I thank you for oh, that. thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Patty Davis on the Lisa Wexler Show today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a lovely, lovely book, Dear Mom and Dad. We're going to be right back. Uh, no, we won't be. We're coming up on the top of the hour. What am I saying? I get so excited. All right, so from 12 to 2, it's Eric Erickson. And then from 2 to 6, it's uh, Paul Paselli here on WICC. And we will see you back behind the mic tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Hi, this is Kristen. And this is Jen from My Mom So Hard. And we're here to talk about By Heart. 
Do you remember when you were nursing and you were like, I want to give the best thing I can to my baby? Well, we've got that for you. It's called By Heart, and it is a infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code MOMS20 for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Tell them my mom so hard sent you. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.